everyone. Crystal here, just jumping in before the podcast starts to let you know that, uh, and to apologize for the audio quality on my recording for episodes four and five not being great. I made a mistake with the recording software and didn't realize I had to uh, redefine the input method. Uh, I thought it defaulted to the prior used one. Anyway, so it was recording off of my crappy headphone mic as opposed to my nice mic. So the sound quality is not great. I did my best to clean it up and we've resolved the problem ongoing, but for episodes four and five, you are going to notice that I sound like I'm on a Skype call, which isn't ideal. But hang in there. It gets better in episode six. On with the podcast. Welcome to Why I Hate Your Podcast. These days, there are a lot of podcasts to choose from. This is another one. I'm Crystal, and each week my brother Sean and I meet up to talk about two podcasts and why we hate them, or don't. Join us and we might help you find your new favorite podcast, or save you from wasting time on a podcast you might hate. So today we're going to be talking about the Dark Horse Podcast, and this is hosted by Eric Weinstein and his wife, Brett. It's Brett, yes. Eric's his brother. (laughs) Uh, And he has his own podcast, too. Uh, Brett Weinstein uh not Weinstein no Weinstein sorry yeah uh, that's an important distinction he will correct you on uh and his wife Heather Hying and they are both professors uh with Brett being a evolutionary biologist and Heather is I believe an anthropologist uh maybe I know she's a biologist as well but I don't think yeah. it's the same field yeah no it's similar but not the same field as uh Brett's uh, they both used to teach at Evergreen College in Washington State, uh, but there was a quite an infamous situation there where they ended up getting kicked out of the college, uh, being fired uh, for their uh, certain political stances. And they're both uh, definitely progressives. They are loud and proud progressives, uh, but they didn't enjoy, uh, like some of the policies of the college, so they were fired. And they did settle out of court for a significant amount of money. And so they started a podcast, and Brett has the uh, distinction of being part of the IDW, which is the Intellectual Dark Web, uh, which is like Joe Rogan, Ben Shapiro, Jordan Peterson, and uh, whatnot. And this podcast, they talk about uh, many a number of things, uh, whether it could be culturally, scientific, uh, there's a whole host of issues. And they do also Q&A sessions, and they will have guests on their podcast as well, uh, mostly in an interview format. I've listened to him off and on for quite a while. I am a fan of Brett uh, on his appearances in various other podcasts and debates. uh, And I appreciate his perspective on biology, especially when it comes to uh, how biology can affect psychology, uh, which is some of the best debates he's had. And uh, so I've been following for a while. And uh, from my understanding, you you've kind of known about him, but this is kind of your first real exposure to him. Yeah, so I've, I've seen him on multiple other podcasts. Uh, I think primarily his appearances on the Joe Rogan Experience are the ones that um, that I was most familiar with him. Um, and then, of course, the whole Evergreen thing, I was aware of that. Um, I'm, I'm more aware of him than I am of his brother. I've not really seen anything I know of his brother, but I've not really, I don't think I've seen any interviews with him. So, But um, I've seen him and his wife on other podcasts and interviews and was always really impressed with his very measured way of speaking, his very thoughtful way of speaking. So I thought, okay, this is probably going to be pretty good because, you know, I, I, I really appreciate 
well thought out, well planned podcast. And I really appreciate presentation of information in a way that is both professional, but also engaging. And, you know, I, I don't want my host to be devoid of personality, but I do like if they are kind of measured and, and not hyperbolic about the things that they're talking about, which I found to be the case here. So yeah, but this, I am definitely new to this podcast. I've listened to three episodes, I believe so far. Um, and they, I didn't go too far back in their library just because they do talk about current events and topical things. And so I thought it would be better to listen to more recent episodes just to, you know, because in the context of what's going on currently, it might be weird to listen to an episode from like 2017 where they're talking about current events. Yeah. And I think measured is a really good descriptor because they are very calm. Yes. They are have no hyperbole actually. It, it, and I think Brett is very strong about not having any hyperbole or he makes a very conscious effort of not being hyperbolic. Mm -hmm. um, and he, they are college professors and you definitely get that feeling. It's uh I, I don't know if you remember a Saturday Night Live where they had the radio host who talked very softly into the microphones and they were just very even voice. It, it was the famous sweaty balls skit. Yes. I don't yes. know if you remember that. Remember yeah. That. So it, it kind of reminds me of them, you know, just very calm, <laughs> quiet, and very polite. Yes. Right. And, uh, and, and I can really appreciate that as opposed to, you know, you get somebody like Ben Shapiro who's kind of like the complete opposite. <laughs> Yeah, these people in almost every in almost every regard, and so and again they are, um, they they are very progressive individuals, but they are not uh, ide uh, ideologues. Mm -hmm. I, I don't feel that. So it's really great to get their unique perspective on things, uh, and I've actually gained insight on a lot of things simply from seeing their perspective. Right. And uh, so I've, I've enjoyed the podcast. Now, I, and now his brother, Eric, uh, who has his own podcast, The, the Portal, uh, which is much more science-based. Uh, and I, I think his brother is kind of like a polymath to some degree. Uh, so they're both very intelligent people. And I think, and Brett has a tendency to think that everything can be solved through biology, uh, especially when it comes to like current events, like why are things happening? It's because biology uh, which I don't know if always fits, and uh, I know there's been some contention with him with the, with the psychologists who may not agree with that. Uh, but it is again interesting to hear his take on things, especially about um, <clears throat> how we can treat ideas similarly to the way we treat of we think of like sickness and illness and you know disease and contagions. Uh, we people's ideas can all can be treated in such as the same way that we treat, you know, we, we feel about COVID, for example, how everyone's just like sterilize everything, wear masks. So, mm -hmm. so it's interesting to get that perspective, but I do think that they are a great podcast to kind of have us in the background because they're just kind of relaxing <laughs> in a sort of way. Yes. Yes. That was actually the thing I, I, like my very first note was that this is a very soothing thing to listen to. Even if they're talking about something, I listened to one of the episodes because they're located in Portland, Oregon. So they're very aware of the stuff that's going on in Portland currently. I think this was from over the summer, the episode that I was listening to. And they were talking about, you know, a lot of people leaving Portland and the riots and everything. But it was, it was just so, the, the soothingness of their delivery method was almost like, antithetical to what they were talking about because they're talking about riots and businesses going you know like all these terrible things that are happening and they're just and and how frustrated they are with the mayor 
but it's so soothing and calm the way they talk. And, and, and you can tell they're professors. They, they deliver, and it's not a condescending way. I will say that some, sometimes uh, people who are professors or educators can come off a little condescending when they're presenting a topic, but they don't do that. But they do deliver it in a way as if they were presenting it to a room full of college students or a room full yeah. of, you know, uh, um, you know, master's candidates or whatever. So they, they're very careful to cite their references. They will pull up, you know, uh, specific studies. They will call out if the study is still in progress or, you know, they, they're very careful about any claims that they make from a scientific perspective, backing it up. Um, it's just a very pleasant listening experience, even if the topic itself is not necessarily pleasant. And, you know, you did mention they're progressive and they, they very much are, but they're not very in your face about it, um, which I appreciate no matter what political spectrum somebody, where somebody is on their political spectrum, the way they present their, their position on that spectrum is important to me. And if you're screaming and yelling about it or being really degrading about the other side, I'm less likely to enjoy the experience than some somewhere, something like this, where they lay out their case for their position, they explain it, they explain why they have concerns or they disagree with the alternative position. Um, and it's all very, it's all very civilized. And the discourse is very civilized. And it's really refreshing. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's an important thing, too, is that since they're both college professors, because they both can talk at a very high level, mm. right? And uh, and I've heard them talk at the very high level, and I'm like, I have no idea what they just talked about. <laughs> yes. And but but Brett and his wife Heather, they're they're very good at kind of like you said, distilling it down to like they're talking to college students. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas their brother Eric, who I don't think he's ever, he may have done a stint of teaching at Harvard in mathematics, but he just talks at that high level. He doesn't really have like, there's no translation filter for him. So when, so Brett has to be there to kind of translate things, um, <laughs> which and another good thing as well is uh, there was a debate between uh, Jordan Peterson and Sam Harris about the importance of religion in Western society. And uh, Brett was the moderator and he oh. did a fantastic job of, cause both Sam Harris and Jordan Peterson are talking very high, high level. And Jordan Peterson, of course, is a clinical psychologist, whereas Sam Harris, I think he's a, a neurologist. Mm -hmm. Um, they were talking at very high levels, and then he had a, he was really good at just kind of bringing them down in the moderation to you know to get it in a way that's easier for the audience at large to to see. And th th what was crazy is that you have this debate that's a stadium. Well, it's not a stadium, but it's an entire theater full of people wanting to listen about two guys debate about religion. So uh, he's very good about that. And I, I think that's why I really appreciate when he has his guests on who may speak at those high levels. Uh, and he does a really good job of kind of bringing them down. Right. Uh, and, it, and he's actually a good interviewer, I feel. Personally, I feel like. Because I've listened to his interviews with, like, you know, Douglas Murray and uh, even, like I said, his brother and uh, some others. And I feel like he's actually... he's. He's fairly apt at doing interviews, and I think he's definitely gotten more into the groove of the podcast because I remember listening to his podcast when he very first started it, and it was a little rough around the edges at the beginning, um, but I think he's definitely kind of, in, in he, I believe he started it without his wife. 
Um, so I think once she kind of came to the picture, I think they kind of got their groove in there. And I feel like the podcast is a, is a much better place now. It just, it just kind of feels more natural than it did uh, originally when they first started. I don't know. It was probably about a year ago or so. Um, Mm -hmm. but, uh, I have tremendous amount of respect for these people, even though there's things I disagree about with them and there's things I agree about with them, but I have a lot of respect for them. And like I said, it's just, it's so soothing (laughs) to listen to. (laughs) Well, and it's so funny because I think I get this, you get this little glimpse into their marriage because when they do disagree on something, like when they disagree on a point, they don't interrupt each other. Um, Like once or twice, I think Heather may have, like in one of the discussions, she may have said, well, let me stop you there because I think that, you know, you made this point and I feel like it's important to call out that that's not always true. And she, you know, she went on and he's like, oh, you're absolutely right. That's a fair point to make. I, I just imagine like the two of them at home you know, disagreeing about where they're going for dinner, just having this wonderfully civilized debate about it. And, oh, you, you do make a good point that we haven't had Mexican food in several months now. And, you know, I could just imagine the two of them <laughs> um, having that discussion because they're so, again, they're very polite. And it's not, it doesn't sound clinical. I, I mean, the way we're describing it makes it sound like they're aliens or something. And they're not. They're just normal people. But they, they talk like normal people do. They don't, they don't get into all the you know, histrionics about, you know, even though when they're talking about things that they're frustrated with, like some of the situations that are happening in their home city, you know, they were talking about, uh, in one of the episodes I was listening to, the fact that there's all these people that are leaving the city, you know, the people who have the means to do so are fleeing, you know, they're, they're packing up and, and they're moving away. And he said, you know, I, I think it's, it's really unfair that there's people who have those, the means to do so and then there's people that don't and not choosing to stay and try to make things better is is we view that as being morally corrupt and you know I thought about that because you know you hear all the stories of people moving out of some of these larger cities where there's a lot of riots and or there's you know in California with the fires or whatever it is and I've always thought that you know, that's the whole thing that makes the United States great is there's there's 50 different states. There's lots of different types of places you can go to and you can move to a city that more kind of jives with your, your, the way you want to live. But I thought that was an interesting perspective that I hadn't heard before, which is, well, I don't want to leave because I want to stay here and make it better. I want to fix the problems we have. And, and, you know, it's a very progressive perspective, but I thought it was really well put forward. And um, it's just, I can imagine that debating someone like like Brett Weinstein or his wife would be very difficult because they're both very, very intelligent. They're very, um, and everything they say, they have good reason for saying it. Like every opinion they seem to espouse, they have a really solid logical reason for that opinion, whether it's based in, in kind of a moral perspective or a, you know, scientific perspective or, you know, fact-based perspective. They're just very good at presenting that. And, and again, like you said, just, I keep coming back to it. It's a pleasant experience listening to their podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's very obvious. I mean, cause again, his wife was a professor at Evergreen as well. And so they were not only colleagues, uh, or not only husband and wife, they were also colleagues. Mm-hmm. And you could tell like from an academic and professional, uh, kind of aspect that they have great mutual respect for each other mm-hmm. uh yep. and you can just you definitely get the feeling that you know they they both they both truly value each other's expertise on things 
Yeah. Uh, and it makes me wonder if their relationship as a whole is like that. Because uh, I, I don't, at least in the episodes I've seen, I, I don't really see that they really talk about their personal lives, kind of like that minutia of like, oh, we argued about what to have for dinner tonight kind of thing. Right, but, right. Because um, they're very, you know, they're, they, they get to the point very quickly and they kind of stay on point as well, mm-hmm. uh, talking about what they want to talk about. And a lot of it's not personal, like, and it's not about their personal dynamic, I guess you could say. It's more or less each of their personal takes on something. Right. Um, so, but you could t- still tell that they have a tremendous amount of respect for each other. Um, but if you didn't know that they were husband and wife, you probably wouldn't have guessed that they were husband and wife by listening to their podcast. Yes, yes. And, and they, I think they do come, they come very prepared. I feel like they come to the, each podcast with a lesson plan, essentially, right? They, yeah. they treat it much like they would if they were, you know, going to a class to teach a class about a topic. Um, they come back, you know, they come with the associated uh, references. They bring those up. They, uh, you know, offer discussion. I should say they, I listened to it in the podcast feed, so I did not hear the segments where they do like the super chats and they interact with people on the, you know, cause it is a huge, it's also broadcast on YouTube and much like we talked about with Tim cast IRL uh, a couple episodes ago, they do have like a, a segment of the series where they will interact with the fans who have posted comments in the super chats. Uh, and, and in some cases, those comments that if it's something that's a little more robust and they want to talk about it in depth, they'll save it for another episode and they'll go back to it. But they, what I do like is they actually cut that sep- they make it into two separate videos or at least when they publish it to YouTube and they publish it to their podcast, it's like you only get the podcast piece of it in the podcast feed. You don't get the interaction piece, which I think makes sense because that interaction is very true to the experience of watching something live, which they do live stream this. Um, and I noticed that with Timcast IRL, it's like that part of the podcast was least interesting for me because while I appreciate that they do interact with their, you know, the people that are watching it live, if you're not watching it live, you're not in that chat, you're not, you know, you're not engaging in that piece of it. So it's it's less valuable. So I like that they kind of carved that out. And if you want to, and they make reference to it, you can certainly go to their YouTube channel and watch that portion of it. But for me, I just listened to the podcast piece, which is what I was interested in. Yeah, and their primary platform is YouTube. That's where they, that's their bread and butter. And it's sort of like that with TimCast. It's their bread and butter, whereas the podcasting platforms is kind of just secondary. And with Brett and, you know, even his brother, Jordan Peterson, Sam Harris, YouTube is kind of, that's where they got their exposure. It wasn't their podcast. It was their appearances on YouTube, which led people to discover their podcasts. And so they kind of tend to treat that platform more importantly than they do their uh, podcast platforms. And so that's, that goes into our great debate about, you know, whether a YouTube video could be a podcast or not, uh, since there is there is a lot of people who are in that kind of corner of YouTube uh, who do commentary uh, and they kind of share the same space. They talk to each other, uh, but they're exclusively on YouTube because they don't see a point of a, of a, of a podcast platform because it really monetizing is much harder on a podcast than it is on YouTube. Uh, well, unless you're doing politics and that's a completely different story. I was going to say, I, so. I don't know that that's necessarily true anymore because YouTube is famously very difficult to monetize now because, you know, between the sensitivity well, it, of the copyright strike system and just yes. the sensitivity of, you know, like you say the wrong thing, you get canceled and all the advertisers go away. Right. <laughs> 
But live streaming, though, on the other hand, is such a big deal because that's a monetization that YouTube cannot control. Like, YouTube is not going to show advertisements, but you get direct money from your viewers. That's true. That's true. And yeah. so live, and, and there are people out there with live streaming is uh, a huge chunk of their income. Uh, right. And I've watched their live stream, and it's literally $5, $5, $5, $5, $5, $5 just over and over and over and over right. again. Right, right. And, and the occasional so, $20 or something, yeah. Right, right. Uh, and YouTube, when you do a super chat, YouTube does take a little, they kind of shave a little off the top. I think it's 30%. I could be wrong. Uh, but a lot of people will use Streamlabs, which I think is even less. But a lot of these people, you know, and, and the Dark Horse, I mean, they, they, are, they do have a Patreon, Mm-hmm. Right. But a lot of people they know who are in those same groups are no longer on Patreon, such as Jordan Peterson or Sam Harris. Right. They've they've refused to be on Patreon after what happened to uh, Sargon of Akkad, which is I mean, he I think he was like in the top 10 uh, yeah, highest patrons. And he yeah, and he got banned off the platform and uh, there was kind of a revolt. And he lives in primarily off, he has no sponsorships, but he lives primarily off Super Chats. Mm-hmm. And but. He's like, I, I'm not going to get advertisement on a podcast format because, right. you know, he's deemed to be uh, tainted goods, if you will. Even though people like Brett Weinstein and Jordan Peterson, Sam Harris, those people in the international uh, or the intellectual dark web are very aware and they talk and they know and they uh, are some of them are friends with uh, Carl Benjamin. But uh, so I, I think we're kind of digressing here. Um yeah, I was going to say, I think I think the thing I appreciate, though, is that they do still publish it as a podcast feed. Because for me, the reason I, I consume via a podcast app versus consume via YouTube is because while I can open a YouTube app on my phone and, like, minimize it and listen, it, A, it eats up more battery because there's a video component. And B, it's, it's a little bit more awkward for, like, pausing it and restart, like... I like to listen to podcasts while I'm doing other things. And usually that's much easier by using my phone. If I was sitting at my computer, a YouTube experience is totally fine. But most of the time I'm, I'm walking the dog or I'm cleaning house or I'm making dinner or I'm washing dishes or whatever I'm doing. And so for me, it's just easier. The interface for a podcast app is much better. And I can, you know, queue up if it's a good app, which I do have one, not the Spotify app. Uh, I can queue up a list of 20 podcast episodes I want to listen to and they just automatically play and I don't even have to think about it. So I get the appeal of the YouTube and I understand the monetization aspect of it for sure. Um, and I think if I want to, you know, support a podcast, I, I generally will support them via Patreon or whatever direct support method they have, they choose to, to use. But, uh, but I have supported some podcasts where, you know, they have a, a Squarespace ad. And, you know, when I was creating a website, I, I used Squarespace to do it. And I used the promo code I got from a podcast. So I do try to support them that way as well, if they have that kind of advertising. But to your point, I didn't hear any advertising on the podcast feed portion of this. So they clearly just rely on YouTube, which makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, so, I don't take an issue with that. I mean, I think that's, like I said, however you choose to monetize your, your creations, I think is, is totally fair. Yeah, and so, and, and with that being said, I think, you know, and especially the Dark Horse, like, I, 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 I don't listen to it via the podcast portion, I, I just use YouTube as a whole, and so, um, of course, there's obviously on a live stream, there's no mid-roll ads or anything. Yeah. Uh, now, and now, in some cases, there are some podcasts like H3H3, which that will be a great one to hate on uh, in the future. Um, I'll listen to that one, so that'll be interesting. I, they have some good ones, but that's another episode. But they, they'll do like live ads while they're 
Uh, right. Yes. I have, I've heard podcasts that do that as well. Yeah, for sure. Right. And live streams. Right. And so in which, you know, like age series three is similar to dark horses that it is a live stream. Uh, and so they'll do the ad live uh, and they'll just say, Hey, we really like Tommy John underwear and you know, and that's it. Um, but there's none of that with dark horse. It's completely fan funded yes. uh, through the super chats and through the Patreon. Yeah. Which is super nice. Cause I, I really, I would find it interesting. So those types of ads that you're talking about, and I do appreciate when podcast hosts will do their own ad reads, but you know, a lot of times you're like, okay, are you really that excited about toothbrush? Like really? Um, but I appreciate it for what it is. And I appreciate them making the effort to say, yeah, I actually did try it. It's pretty great. And you know, all that good stuff. But sometimes it comes off a little disingenuous. And so I would have a real hard time imagining Brett Weinstein doing an ad read, you know, yeah, I, for, uh, for yeah, I, I'd just be, be like, Hey, you know what? You need a new wallet. Here's a Ridge wallet. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I, exactly. I, it's hard for me to imagine Brett Wines, you know, for him doing that. Uh, yeah. I, it just know, five dollar shave club and all the <laughs> usual suspects. Yeah. Hello fresh or whatever. Yeah. I, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't yeah. imagine it. So I think that that probably plays well for them that they're not doing those types of ads. I'm sure they've been approached. I mean, they're, they're probably popular enough that, you know, even, even some of the more controversial characters on YouTube, you know, there's certainly shows that I've, I've watched on YouTube or channels that I've watched on YouTube where they're, you know, it's, it's a gun channel or whatever, you know, they, they struggle to get any kind of monetization from YouTube, but they can get ad reads from, you know, and sponsors, independent sponsors. Right. It- um, so I'm sure they've had the opportunity, but I, I just couldn't imagine them reading an ad read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's your boy, Raid Shadow Legends. Um, <laughs> which, you know, anybody who's watched the YouTube channel will see uh, Raid, Raid Shadow, Shadow Legends. Legends. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> but, you know, some of my favorite YouTubers they who cannot get monetized because they just cover some edgy topics, That that's that's how they support their careers, through those ad reads. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, it, I get it. And so if ever happened to whip out a you know five dollar or a dollar shave club thing then i'd be like oh well good for him you know i'm sure he yeah. got a nice little check for that exactly exactly yeah it's it's um i i don't i don't fault them for that if they do and and i really think what i they're talking about a lot of topics on their podcast that are not, they're not the first ones to broach those topics and, and especially in 2020 i think every podcast that is either political or current events or topical in any way, they're, they're all talking about the same things this year. And so it can feel like a little bit of uh, this again, like we're going to talk, okay, we're going to talk about riots. Great. But with that, with this podcast, I felt like they really do bring a very unique perspective. They do come at it, like you said, from a biological perspective in terms of, you know, his experts expertise being in evolutionary biology her expertise, I think it's in, I don't know if it's anthropology or just straight up biology, because she also, um, on one of the episodes I listened to, was talking about a specific study with certain types of fish. So, you know, whatever type of biology she is, she's coming at it from. They both, everything they tackle, they tackle it from that perspective and they re- relate it back to it. Um, so it's not the same old, same old conversation that you've heard on, you know, the Joe Rogan experience or Sam Harris or wh- whoever. Um, right. So I, I do I do really like that. And I think because it's so pleasant to listen to, if I'm going to have to listen to people talking about whatever the, the unpleasantness of the day is, at least I can listen to somebody who's going to come at it with a very measured, 
rational, non-hyperbolic, you know, way that's going to be much more enjoyable to listen to. I'm going to get some good information. Um, and they're going to be very clear about where their perspective is coming from. There's no, there's no subterfuge there. It's just, it's, it's just nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think in an age where, you know, all anything that's political occurrence, like you said, it's, it's all so hyperbolic and just so it's, they're all emotionally charged. Yeah. Right. And I don't get that feeling with them. It's just a nice, like you said earlier, measured, uh, just even approach to everything. And it's that, that, that is refreshing as opposed to just emotional, just ranting and raving that we see a lot of times on the yes. internet. Yeah. And the other thing I wanted to mention too, is that there's this really sweet kind of optimism that they bring to, yeah. so like his whole unity 2020 campaign. While I think, I think it's a brilliant idea. And I think that he started it too late, essentially, like he came at yeah. it, you know, in, I think, April or May is when he first brought it up. And it's like, dude, dude, it's too late. That ship has sailed for 2020. But I appreciate that he's still pursuing it. There's like this sweet innocence to it and and this optimism. And I love it. Like, I love the idea. And I love the concept of, hey, let's, let's, let's come together versus dividing when it comes to politics. And let's put forth a ticket that represents that. Again, I don't, it, for 2020, I don't think, it, I think it's too late that ship sail, but I'm glad that he's pursuing it. And I'm hopeful that in future elections, this will become, you know, they'll get some groundswell behind it because I think it's a brilliant idea. But even if I didn't think it was a great idea, I love the way he's approaching it. And I love the optimism behind it and the conversations that he's trying to have about this. It just seems, and for those who don't know, the Unity 2020 campaign was basically that concept of let's put forth a ticket where the president is from one party and the vice president's from another. And then the next time they run, they have to flip, right? Like, so the, the Democrats, the presidential candidate in the first ticket when they run, and then if they do get elected and they go to run for reelection, they would flip and the Republican candidate would become the, the presidential person on the ticket, the president uh, slot on the ticket. So it was a really interesting concept. I thought it was super optimistic. I really liked the idea because I think there's a lot more people who are center more closer to the center in our country than there are who are on the fringes. We just only hear from the fringe. So I thought it was a really neat idea, really optimistic, has a great view on, you know, what, what we could do um, from a, a political perspective. So I just appreciated, I think it says a lot about them and their character, right? And, and so that really made me like where they were coming from. And even if it was kind of doomed from the start, just because, you know, first of all, nobody on either side wants to hear about a center type of ticket like that. And uh, at least not in, in the public eye. And it was started too late. I have hope that there's, you know, possibility for it in the future. And I think it was really telling that they're, you know, trying to come from a place of compromise, which most people don't these days. It doesn't feel like it, at least not in the media. So um, it was kind of super nice to hear to hear that idea and that concept be floated by somebody who's, you know, intelligent and has a good reason for doing so. Yep. Yeah. No, I agree. He's, uh, they, they both of them in dark times. Cause I mean, they're, they're kind of the heart of it in Portland that they could still be so optimistic. So, and again, that, whereas you have like Tim pool, who's just like, you know, move out in the middle of nowhere, build Civil a bunker. He's almost, he's, he, yeah. He's like almost <laughs> like a prepper. You know? Right. So exactly. He's like, a, he's such a doomer. Buy more guns. Um, yeah. <laughs> So, uh, where they 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 still remain optimistic, which is definitely refreshing. So, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, for me personally, I I don't hate their podcast, uh, and I don't listen to every episode, um, but I, I do. I have a tremendous amount of respect for the, for them, 
and I do appreciate their take on everything. And so, it, at least in YouTube, I am subscribed to them, uh, and I, I always keep an eye on what they're doing. Yeah, and I think I, you know, I don't, and I know I've mentioned this before, this is not really the kind of podcast that I would put in my regular rotation to always, you know, never miss an episode of, because I, I tend to try to not consume a lot of pod, because podcasts for me are like the pleasant part of my day, you know, <laughs> like if I've had a stressful day, I want to put on a podcast that's either going to make me laugh or I'm going to learn something interesting. Oh, I just had an experience today with a podcast. It was one of the best episodes I've ever heard. And I'm like still kind of in my head thinking about that going, that was so cool. You know, so that's the kind of experience I like to have from a podcast. Um, but if I am going to listen to an episode of a podcast or listen to a podcast series, to get some of that information, some of the stuff that I need to know about what's going on in current events and to hear a perspective on it, this is probably going to be the one I choose just because it's, it's a much more pleasant experience than most of the others out there. So I definitely don't hate it. I'll stay subscribed. Like I said, probably won't listen to every episode, but I, uh, I will, I do want to hear their take on important events of the day. So I'll probably listen to say their post-election episode. Um, I think that'll be really interesting. So, yeah, I'm glad you introduced me to it. Okay, let's talk about last podcast on the left. Uh, this is a podcast that's hosted by two comedians, one, I think, comedian slash writer. Um, so Ben Kissel is a comedian. He's also, um, I think he's run for, like, borough president or something. I don't know, some kind of... Uh, local government office in New York City. Um, Henry Zabrowski, who is an actor and comedian, and Marcus Parks, who I know is a writer. I don't know if he has a background in comedy as well, but uh, I think he's more on the writing side. And it is a podcast that features anything kind of mysterious and or dark and or of the of the occult. So uh, they'll they'll do episodes on serial killers they'll do episodes on um cryptids ufo sightings they've done episode on on multiple episodes of cults uh so anything that's kind of dark and scary and and or creepy they it's fair game for them and they are they used to be part of their own network but they are now exclusive to spotify as of i think last year uh, and the main conceit of the show is marcus and henry will research the topic of the episodes and then Ben Kissel will sort of sit in as the viewer who's learning about this for the first time, right? So he doesn't do any research prior to, he's just there to react, ask questions, crack some jokes. Um, and Henry is also, because he's a comedian, he, he also cracks quite a few jokes. Um, he definitely takes the more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Comedic, I guess, comedic take on the research. Um, he also does a lot of the quote unquote performances. So when they're reading a quote from a book or, you know, the serial killer, killer said this, or here's this poem that the serial killer wrote, you know, he'll be the one to read it because he does a lot of different voices and things like that. So it is a interesting podcast. It very much has a very dedicated following. Um, and it's not your normal kind of true crime slash creepy stuff podcast. Um, it, it is definitely unique. So I've listened to it for a while. You were new to it. And I think you said you listened to the Jody Arias series. Is that correct? Yes. Yep, that's correct. 
Okay, so tell me what you thought. Well, I mean, I had heard about them because, uh, like I said, they've been around for a long time. And I, I didn't realize they'd gone to Spotify. And I was like, I can't find them anywhere. Ugh, yeah. And uh, and so because apparently I'm a psycho, I, you know, use the Spotify web app to listen to podcasts. I listen to <laughs> web apps in general to listen to podcasts, which apparently means I'm a psycho. Um, so and Spotify is terrible to navigate, uh, especially the web player. Uh, I, I refuse to download the actual application. And don't worry, the application is just as bad, if not worse. Okay, okay. So it was actually really hard to find like specific episodes because it, it like loads like maybe twenty episodes, and you could search, you know, just where what's in those twenty episodes. But then you have to scroll all the way down, wait for the next twenty to load, then you could search and stuff. So it was really difficult. You'd have to just keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. So it, it's terrible. But I will say though, it's still better than iTunes uh, web player. Just at, surprisingly enough, and maybe just because I don't use Macs and I don't have Safari and I don't have the iTunes application installed, just use the web player on Chrome. Yeah, it just it's it's garbage. But anyways, I am digressing. Um, so I know about this podcast, and I I do love those type of UFO cryptids, uh, uh, serial killer kind of true crime stuff, occult things. Uh, some of the best episodes of JRE is stuff that have that kind of stuff on there. Yeah. But you, I'm realizing you don't listen to this podcast for that content specifically. You're listening to the content for their reaction to the content. Mm-hmm. And I felt like they were trying too hard to be funny. And they were just kind of trying to be wild and zany in a morning zoo style like radio program. Where, you know, you have this one guy who's kind of serious saying, well, here's a story about Jody Arias who uh, kind of seduced this Mormon guy. And then you have the other guy quip in like, oh, Mormon guy being seduced. Oh, blah, blah, you know, and they go like crazy. And it's like, I'm amazed there's not like a soundboard with a like, we'll have a donkey braying in the background or something. <laughs> so, and I don't know, have you ever seen Parks and Recreation? Yes. Yes, I have. So, you know, the morning zoo uh, parody they have in that show or the of the local town or the local town radio station they have the yes. morning zoo program yes it reminded me of that it was like so over the top ridiculous um and it was very hard for me to stomach because i was just like i didn't think any of the jokes landed well it felt very cringe um and they were just too trying just too hard to be wild and zany uh and i just i just wasn't looking for that and i really struggled with that yeah so my experience with this podcast has been that Ben is probably the least funny. He he is funny maybe 10% of the time that he tries to be funny. Where he's usually funny is if he does hit on something, his ability to pull it out, his timing is is sometimes really good. But like I said, 90% of his stuff, I don't find that amusing. Henry, I'm probably like, has 65% of the time he's funny, like when he tries to be. To your point, Marcus doesn't. Like he... He'll laugh at, at some of their jokes. Like he's very much in tune with theirs. And and all three of these guys have been friends for years, right? So they have a really like they their chemistry is pretty strong. But Marcus is the one who does all the not all the research. Henry does a lot of it too, but he's the one who's leading the story, right? He's reading the script. He's the one who writes the the actual story and takes you through whatever it is the episode's about. So in that case, you know, it was the Jody Arias trial. Well, murder and trial. So it's very and, and I will be honest, I'm not one for a lot of the type of humor 
that they engage in. There's a lot, especially it had to have been really bad for the Jodi Arias episode, because I remember that one, and I'm sure it was way worse than usual. But I'm not one for toilet humor slash sex humor, like like American Pie level of maturity jokes that they just don't make me laugh. I don't get it. I, I don't get well, it. Well, I think, I think there's some morning Zusos that are more mature than they are in that episode. So it's possible I just chose a wrong episode. It was bad because that episode is specifically about the Jodi Arias trial, which, let's be honest, was 90% about, like, sex and all the salaciousness of it. Like, the coverage was awful. Like, that was the whole thing about that trial. So I think they were a little worse than usual in that respect. But but it is fair to say that that type of humor makes its way into a lot of their episodes. Um, An alternative one that I think is worth listening to is the Casey Anthony series, because they're, and that's one of the things they're really proud of. And <clears throat> they've said this multiple times. They don't want to glorify, glorify the murderers, the serial killers, you know, the bad people that they're talking about, the cult leaders. Their job, they feel like, is to tell the story, but to spend a lot of time making fun of those people. So they, you know, they make fun of Jody Arias. They do a great job making fun of Casey Anthony, which she's very easy to make fun of because she does some really stupid things in her trial. So, and during the investigation. So they have a blast with that. And it's really entertaining because it's, it's nice because they, they're not, and that is one of the, the, I feel like the flaws with some true crime podcasts is there's, there is a tendency to lean towards focusing on the killer and focusing on, you know, the, the, because that's, to be fair, part of the fascinating part of the story is your Ted Bundy's, your, you know, John Wayne Gacy's, but they make a point to say this guy was a piece of shit. You know, they, they spend a lot of time, you know, making fun of these characters and I appreciate that. And a lot of times it does work. Sometimes the jokes don't land. I think Henry's style is a little crass for me, but I do think when he nails it, when he's funny, he's very funny. He's either really, really funny or not funny at all for me. Um, But I do know that they have fans that find all of them hilarious, especially Henry. So I do think it is very, very much a, you have to have a certain sensibility and or sense of humor to enjoy their podcast because I could see it turning a lot of people off just because to your point, it is very kind of zany in some cases. Um, but it's also like the, the, the type of humor is sometimes very lowbrow. Right. Right. And, and the thing is, it's like, I was sitting here listening into it and uh, had my door open and my wife was in the other room and she could hear what was going on. She's like, what are you listening to? <laughs> and the one thing that would really frustrate me about me, their their intro is super loud. Yes, like, it is. It will blow your ears out. Your, will, your ears will literally bleed. Your nose will bleed. You'll go <laughs> deaf for like a good 10 minutes afterwards, it which is, is good because <laughs> the intro is usually, gar- I mean, it's just, it's way too loud. And even then, their volume mixing is terrible because some people are really quiet. And then you get the wild zany guy who's just super loud. And you have to turn it down. I had to adjust my volume multiple times. I couldn't find a sweet spot because they're either too quiet or they're too loud because they're getting all zany. Right. And it was just, it, it, I, I just couldn't. It was so hard for me to find a sweet spot. Now, and for me personally, like I do have, I have a really strong aversion to loud sounds and noises. Mm-hmm. I don't like concerts. I don't like you know, rocket venue or uh, music venues and bars and stuff like that because they're just too loud and I'm very sensitive, which my wife thanks me, which I'm in my office playing video games. They're not loud, right? right? Because I just just can't handle loud noises. 
so I'm super sensitive to that. And they're just all over the place with it. And it, it, that was super frustrating to me. I was like, okay, well, if the game, zany guy would just sh- kind of shut up and not be so zany, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be so bad. But it was just the volume was just all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I think I think they do. Uh, the, the opening is super loud. Like every time I'm, I've got it in my queue to listen to, I make it a point to turn it down until the opening's done or I skip the opening. I do keep it at a relatively low volume. But you're right because Marcus is fairly not quiet but just sort of normal tone and then henry sometimes he's normal sometimes he's a little loud and then ben is always loud so anytime ben chimes in it's usually him yelling so um they they could they could use some work there i think which is interesting because they've been around forever i mean the podcast right. is i mean they've done they've been doing live shows for the last I don't know how many years. Oh, um, and they've, they've even got books out. And that, oh, that yeah. was what surprised me is that I know they've been around for a long time. And it's just, it, it just, I was like, I would think that they would find a way to mix that better, lower the gain on someone's mic or something. But right. uh, they just, they just don't. Maybe that's the whole point. Maybe they're just trying to troll their listeners by <laughs> the inconsistent volume. I, I don't know. No, I think it's going to get better though. So Marcus is in New York. Ben used to be in New York and they would record in the same room. And then Henry's always been in LA, but now Henry and Ben are both in LA. And I think they're trying to record together most of the time. So if they do that, I think that might help because those two are the louder ones. So hopefully whoever's mixing the final episode can better adjust. But when you had Marcus and Ben in the same room, if they're, you know, both, if they're recording off the same feed, which I don't know if they are, I could see how that would be a problem because Marcus is quieter and Ben is really loud. So I could see that being, and, and fun facts. So Henry, Marcus is pretty tall. I think he's like six, two or six foot. He's, you know, he's tall. Um, Henry's like five ten or whatever. He's, he's kind of average height to shorter than average. And then Ben Kissel's like six nine or something ridiculous. So if you ever see pictures of them, it's it's kind of hilarious because they look like this weird motley crew. But they have a huge, really kind of devoted following, and I think they're following. I believe that they really more started out with the UFOs and cryptids, and then they kind of got into true crime through via the vehicle of I think cults. I don't know if that's exactly how the the path worked to get them to where they are now because I've only been listening to them for like maybe two years. And, but I do know that their beginning was things like reading creepypastas and doing episodes about cryptids or UFO sightings. And I think Henry Zabrowski is technically a, a licensed ufologist so because he's obsessed with UFOs. So they legitimately are into this stuff, all of it. Um, so there is a, a legit interest there. But I think you're right that there is a little bit of forced, we have to be funny, um, that sometimes just doesn't work. Uh, which I'm yeah. okay with because I think the research that Marcus does is really great. And and when they are funny, for me, it really works. Like their episodes on Rasputin are some of the most, I mean, I I don't think I've laughed that hard in a long time um, listening to a podcast because it was just, first of all, the story of Rasputin is so ridiculously over the top anyway. Um, there was just a lot for them to work with, but it was it was very funny. Um, but yeah, it some episodes they work and some they don't. Um, yeah. Another one I would recommend for anybody who's kind of dipping in, if you're into, you know, true crime episodes about cults, their series on the, on Jonestown was really good. The first episode, they basically spend the entire time making fun of, um, oh crap, what's his name? I, I'm drawing a blank. But anyway, the cult leader at Jonestown, they spend the whole first episode. Oh, J- uh, Jim Jones. Jim Jones, thank you. Making fun of him. And it's some of the because I didn't realize kind of what a wacky story his story was up up until you know you only ever hear about the cult 
uh, and how he recruited people in, but him getting to that point is kind of hilarious. Like at one point, I think he was selling monkeys and that was like, he was door to door selling monkeys, which was very strange. So the, it, it actually ended up being quite funny. Of course, the subsequent episodes were not funny at all, but they do dive into some of that stuff, you know, some of the darker stuff, a lot of the darker stuff, because let's be honest, that's kind of what their fans want. I mean, their, their logo has a giant pentagram behind it. So they, they've embraced their, uh, their fan base being very kind of, people who are into that stuff. So, uh, I mean, I, I do enjoy it. It's not, I don't listen to every episode. I skip a lot of the side stories episodes. Um, but I, I pick and choose what I listen to as new episodes drop because generally I listen to the main ones, but I will say it's hard to keep up with them now that they're only on Spotify because to your point, not a, not a, a an issue with their podcast specifically, but the Spotify app is garbage. Their web player, I'm sure, is just as garbage. It's awful trying to build a queue. It's it's just not intuitive. I hate I hate that podcasts go exclusive to Spotify because I hate the way that app works. So yeah, it actually has impacted my listening of this because it's just such a chore to get to episodes on Spotify and to, to listen to them in the order that you want to listen to them and, and manage your subscription feed is much, much harder on Spotify than it is with other apps. Yeah, and and I think one of the expectations of this is that one, you have to like their kind of, their sort of humor, and, mm. and I think why that's important is it's almost like watching an episode of Mystery Science Theater three thousand where you're not watching MST three K for the movie that they're mocking, right. right? You're watching it for them mocking it, and I'm assuming the this podcast it's a similar vein. You're not really there for the subject of their podcast. You're there for them you know, discussing it and cracking jokes about it. Mm-hmm. So, and because if you're there for the actual, you know, uh, about the actual topic of discussion, you're not going to get, I don't think you're going to get a, t- a lot out of it uh, because it's just, it would be hard to call this an actual true crime podcast, right? Simply because it's not like documentary style. You have to really appreciate, you know, their comedy. You have to appreciate their perspective and how they how they kind of mock the stuff and that's where the entertainment value is going to be for this podcast it's not going to be about the subject uh and so that and their and their type of comedy is just not for me and considering how the volume mixing was all over the place and considering it just uh, their jokes were just not my type of jokes uh and i do kind of like the documentary style stuff because i mean you can listen to JRE or Adam Curie or these other people will have guests on there or talk about UFOs and stuff. And they kind of do it more in a serious tone. And Graham Hancock. I mean, there, there's various others where it's like just fascinating to listen to. And so I'm definitely a person who's more interested in the subject than listening to people kind of comment or do commentary on the subject. Uh, and especially as far as like mocking it or making jokes. So, and again, my, my humor level is more of a subtle dry humor kind of guy which is why i love you know like comedians like norm mcdonald uh but i did see that they had an episode where dan Aykroyd was a guest and that's like the perfect platform for him to have comedians who are into ufos and cryptids and all this stuff with dan Aykroyd, who has like an encyclopedic knowledge of this kind of stuff and i would like to see them in the presence of a comedian who is much better than them at this point so i may listen (laughs) to that one though it was really great, and they obviously adore Dan Aykroyd, and so it was a really good. It was a really good uh, episode. I will say that interview with them was great because I mean they just adore him, so it was a very positive interview experience for them. They were just excited to be able to talk to him. 
And, and, and it's funny because like I said, Henry Zabrowski being an actual ufologist, he's done, he's, I mean, he is a, he has a membership in MUFON or whatever. He's technically an investigator for MUFON. So he, he actually has a pretty wide knowledge. So he was able to discourse with, with Dan Aykroyd, you know, pretty in depth. So it was actually not a bad, bad episode, but I will say the one thing I'll, I'll push back on just a little bit is it, yes, there is the comedy aspect, and that is a big part of their shtick, right? And the conceit for their podcast. But Marcus Parks does a ton of research, and they have multiple research assistants. When he goes through a subject, he leaves no stone unturned. I mean, that's why some of these episodes are very, very long. In fact, there are series on the JFK assassination, because they also get into conspiracy stuff, too. I There was theories I had never heard of. Very fascinating. I think where they landed as to the is a theory I had never heard of that sounds like probably the most realistic theory. And it's, I have to highly recommend it. I've never heard this theory before and it's really well researched. He, he is not proposing it. He's just reporting about, you know, this is the one that he thinks is most likely based on the research he's done. So I don't want to fault the amount of research that he does and the fact that he writes all of these episodes. Like if you actually just listen to his telling of the story if it didn't have all the kind of interjected comedic elements it's it's really well researched and it's really thoroughly done um but to your point i think that may get lost and kind of overshadowed by the hijinks of the comedic elements of the podcast which yeah. i appreciate probably 60 percent of the time um, more in henry's case than ben i don't think ben's naturally that funny personally i mean he does he occasionally gets a winner but not that often. And so, yeah, I think it's an acquired taste. I think if you've been listening to it for a long time, you certainly will appreciate the way the characters have, because these guys have, they've worked together for so long. They, you know, you get to know their personalities and I can understand people being big fans of the show and, and they seem like really nice guys in real life. Like I've, I've checked out their social media before and they, and they, and they, when they interact with fans, it's very, very, very positive. They're very grateful for their fans. And so there's a lot of nice things to say about them. But if it's not your style of comedy, you're probably not going to enjoy it. And there's probably better vehicles to get the information about the topic at hand. I just do think that I don't want to discredit the fact that they do go very, very, very deep on these topics, which is why most of the episodes are multiple episodes for a specific topic. I think it's very rare that they have an episode where it's just one episode for the topic. Right. And, and, and that's actually a really good point because people who do all, all the research and everything, they, those podcasts are usually the ones that are really good where the research is really drilled down. And to me, it's, it's, it's a waste, you know, cause if right. the JFK assassination, that would be said, that sounds like an amazing series to listen to but i it just is. won't be able to get through the comedy and it, and it must not be a waste for them technically because it is a successful podcast i mean it's it's yeah, sure it's not like jre levels but they've been around a long time and i've heard of it before even mm -hmm. uh, even without actually listening to it so uh, obviously they found success doing what they're doing and you know great on them uh i definitely don't knock it it's just uh it's not my sort of thing but it's it's unfortunate though because if the research is as good as you're uh, saying it is, then, uh, you know, I won't ever get to listen to it because I'm just not going to go back and try to listen to that. Right. And that's fair. I think, like I said, there's other vehicles for you to get that information. Although do remind me to tell you about the JFK conspiracy piece, because there was that theory that was put forward 
it's a more recent one. It's one I had not heard, and it's actually super fascinating. So we'll ha- I'll have to share that with you. And I don't want to spoil it for anybody who goes to listen to the podcast, but but yeah, it was it was really interesting. But I get it. I I can definitely say that I don't. I won't say the comedy is like why I listen. It's definitely not. I don't mind the comedy, and occasionally it works for me. It does not always work though. Like I said, I it's it's some of it's very lowbrow. Some of it's very immature which is not kind of my thing, but I know a lot of people enjoy that. So I think, I think that's a reason they have a really big following. And I think when it works, it works for me and it's enough. It works enough that I can listen to it, still enjoy it and, and get the information that I'm there for while still getting a little bit of humor out of it. So I guess uh, your ratings probably pretty easy to figure out then, right? <laughs> yeah, I don't hate it. I really don't. There's there's been a few episodes that I would could definitely like I won't listen to again and I have no interest in listening to again, but for the most part, I'm still subscribed. I'll still, you know, check out episodes as they drop. Um and so I I definitely don't hate it. I, I and it's probably not going to be surprising for me, but I definitely hate it. I actually hate it more than Wind Down with Jenna Kramer. And the what? reason why it no, listen. The reason why is because wind down, if it's on, I can tone that out, right? This, because of the volume mixing and just the wild and crazy Satan, it's just so loud. Uh, you can't, you can't, there's no way to tone it down. And somebody who has his volume set pretty low in my office, people on the other end of the house can still hear it. Just because it's just how, just how various the volume is just, it's just all over the place. So right. you just can't tone it out. So I, I would hate it. I would rather listen to the wind down, to be honest. Oh my god. Well, that says a lot. So, <laughs> I, I, I will. There's gonna. It's gonna be actually. It's not gonna be that long before we hit a podcast that I would hate listening <laughs> to more than the wind down. If I'm honest, uh, found one this week. So, but all right. Well, I think that's fair. That's an. That's a fair assessment. We'll just have to agree to disagree on that one. Like Star Wars. have thoughts you want to share send us an email at why i hate your podcast at gmail.com or visit our website at why i hate your podcast.com you can also find us at hate your podcast on twitter and instagram our intro transition and outro music is by kevin mcleod and licensed under creative commons please see the show notes for details 